You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ear holes. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and we come to you on a victorious day here on Lockdown Blue Jays, and not just because Toronto came back to win Jose Bautista's return 8-6 over the Mets. It's victorious because after two days of struggling and getting the wrong materials, the air conditioner in the studio is working and successfully expelling the hot air out of the studio, and it feels wonderful. It is so, so nice to not be sitting and baking in the 36-degree heat or whatever the heck it is. I, it, it was brutal driving around in it. It's brutal sitting in it, but there is air conditioning now, so everything is right with the world. Speaking of right with the world, Blue Jays made things right with that win. As we mentioned, 8-6 in a game that... I think a lot of people turned off by the fifth. I I stuck with it, but I was not immune to offering up the false proclamation that yeah, this this may not go the way the Blue Jays wanted. But let let's start with the focal point of last night, and that was Jose Bautista in his return to the Rogers Center, and I was thrilled with how that went. I it, it was how it should be. It Yeah, they had the standard video tribute which, you know, that's that's great. They can put that together for Paul Pierce and and Ryan Goins and all that. But watching Jose come to the plate, listening to his walk-up music in the visiting park as a visitor. I thought that was such a classy touch by the Blue Jays franchise to show that even though he's wearing another jersey, he will remain a Blue Jay. He will keep the Blue Jays with him, and we will keep him with us. And I thought that was a perfect touch to make. And then Bautista, of course, getting the standing ovation as well he should from the multitude of people. And... You know, tipping his cap. I, I said this on Twitter. I got chills watching that. And you know, it, it's it's always going to be weird seeing someone who you identified so strongly with as a member of your team coming to the plate against you in that manner. I I think the first time I really had that was as as a hockey fan watching Peter Forsberg play against Colorado for the first time because there wasn't there weren't many people from the Blue Jays who left that kind of mark and then had to come back like Carlos Delgado was traded into the National League so he wasn't really seen that much I, I don't think there was really an opportunity to give Delgado that kind of treatment and Halliday I don't believe got that kind of treatment either Trying, trying to remember if he did 
pitch against the Blue Jays after he got traded to Philly. I don't know if he lined up in interleague play, but it was it was still it was, it was that kind of powerful feeling. Like I it's and it's something I think isn't is just kind of common to baseball and and hockey. Those are the two sports where you really have this kind of appreciation. You don't get it in basketball. Fans are fans are ticked. Like LeBron going to LA, fans are ticked. Even hockey, like I like I said, Peter Forsberg, but hockey hockey fans are ticked. With John Tavares moving to Toronto, but baseball is different. I think there's that kind of appreciation for all the toil, all the hard work that gets done to get to the point where you can be that success and, and be that successful for one team. And I was so thrilled to see that. I, I said on Twitter, it may be one of the most unique symbiotic relationships that an athlete has had with a city in, in my time watching sports because Jose Bautista coming to Toronto, he was joining a franchise that had little going for it. He had a bit of power, but had little going for himself in, in his career. And they built each other up. Bautista found himself in Toronto and, and built himself up into that all-star, into that power threat. And in turn, he built Toronto up out, out of mediocrity. He built them into a team that could battle with the Yankees, that could battle with the Red Sox and wasn't polite about it. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to try and do this. He was so, so sure of himself, so confident with what he built up. In the, in the end, it did end up doing him in, which, which is why he had to take the minor league deals with the Braves, with the Mets this season. But that confidence he had was contagious. And for a city like Toronto, which didn't have anything really to be confident about, it like the Raptors were were perennially underachieving the Maple Leafs, <laughs> the Maple Leafs. But he he changed that, and I am getting through my notes that that Roy Halladay was two and zero against the Blue Jays in two starts. He had a one sixty nine ERA against them, which that that's that's brutal. Se- second best ERA against the team behind the Pirates, who he had a one oh four ERA against. Doc did not show any mercy. So, yeah, it, I'd say it's akin to Halliday seeing Bautista. Probably more, just because because of what Bautista was able to do, the success he was able to bring. Like, Halliday, it's just that we, we appreciate it, but you couldn't we couldn't do anything for you, so go get it with Philly. With Bautista, it was that true, meaningful appreciation for what he did. And when he stepped in to face Marco Estrada... It, I, it, it gave me chills. And he did exactly what Jose Bautista would do. And he drew a walk out of Marco Estrada. And then Marco Estrada got hurt. Because even even when there are days of celebration for the Blue Jays, they still can't have nice things. So x-rays came back negative on Marco Estrada. He left with a hip issue. And... Did not, like, again, he faced three batters, gave up the home run to his Garubal Cabrera, and then that was it. And then it turned into a bullpen game, which 
Blue Jays do not want to see a bullpen game because that meant Preston Gilmet is in action for multiple innings. That means Tim Mays is out. That means Jake Petrica is out. So there were a lot of arms that the Blue Jays would not like to see. And and they were shorthanded as it was because Keegan Matheson reported after the game, Sung Juan Oh wasn't in the bullpen last night. He had a stomach issue. So he wasn't there. So if, if Tyler Clippard gave up the tie, the tying run, in the top of the ninth and they had to go to extras. Their next pitcher was going to be Kendris Morales and it would have been hilarious, but that that's only hilarious when it's like an eight run game, not when the game is tied. I mean, we saw that with Tampa and Miami yesterday, they went into 16 innings and used Jesus Sucre in the 16th because they had no one else. And he almost blew that game because they didn't want to use Jose Alvarado, which don't get cute Tampa Bay. You need all the wins you can get. Don't, don't be trying to do that. So back to Estrada, it's, it's typical of the Blue Jays. They, they turn into sellers at the deadline and instantly their trade chips start to disappear. Donaldson on the DL, Tapera on the DL, Estrada leaves after a third of an inning. What this does for his trade value, I'm I'm not sure. Again, the x-rays are negative, so this could be a minor thing. This could be something he has to deal with for the rest of the season. And if the Blue Jays aren't able to get anything for him, that leaves him in a difficult spot. Yes, we get to have Marco Estrada, but he, he would have been a great insurance piece to trade to whatever team didn't get Jay Happ. And like the Yankees are, are pushing heavy. The Brewers are pushing heavy. He instantly turned to the, to the next teams like, Hey, you didn't get Happ. Do you want Estrada and give one of these prospects up? Like that would have been such an easy thing to do for the Blue Jays. And now that's, that's in jeopardy with this Marco Estrada injury. So let's talk about what this means for the Blue Jays going forward right after this. Yes, Kitty, we are back. Kitty is also enjoying the air conditioning in the studio. I think she's been craving it. Because it, it is brutal. Don't let anyone tell you global warming ain't real. I, I don't care what you say. This is bad. Nova Scotia is not supposed to be 36 degrees. Anyway, so let's talk about the fallout from last night's game going forward. A couple moves were made by the Blue Jays. Tim Mazo was optioned down. That was predictable. Preston Gilmet got DFA'd, which I think everyone was asking for that about three weeks ago. But, hey, it, it is what it is. It happened now. So a couple arms got called up. Luis Santos is back up. He'll look to improve on a, a outing that left him with a 32 ERA for the season. Which, yeah, that ain't going to happen. That, that ain't good. And then Reiner Cruz is the other call-up. And Cruz I actually wrote about in the Jays from the Couch Guide to the 2018 season. Cruz was supposed to be like the minor league closer for the year. Like, he was not meant to be in this position. But, you know, Blue Jays being what they are with the issues they've had with the bullpen needing to go extra innings after a night like tonight, he's 
he's the guy who got tapped. And I, I, there's not, there's not much good you can say about Reiner Cruz. His, his previous claim to fame was he pitched in 2012 and 2013 when the Astros were terrible. This, if he gets into a game, it'll be his first MLB action in five years. Been a long road back for Reiner Cruz. 531 career ERA, uh, 56 strikeouts in 76 innings. He got a lot of work for that bad Houston team. But homers were a bit of an issue. So we'll we'll see how well he does. The walks were bad before. Like he had he averaged 4.7 walks per nine innings in his previous two seasons. It's been better this year. He, got, he has a 104 ERA in eight eight and two thirds innings with Buffalo, only giving up the one run. It was on a homer though. So something to watch out for Cruz is he does give up the long ball. If he can rein that in a bit. He'll be fine. He'll be a serviceable arm for the Blue Jays. But I'm not expecting bigger things out of him. What we can expect bigger things out of, hopefully, is that offense, which finally got got something going after a couple bad games against Detroit. One run in each game. It, it looked like it was going to be that night again. Zach Wheeler came out and looked to avenge what the Blue Jays did to him when they played in New York. They got him for eight runs or something. But Wheeler was dealing very well up until that seventh inning when things just went completely off the rails. That Mets bullpen just Mets bullpened all over the place. Anthony Swarzak couldn't control anything. There, there was a wild pitch that happened. It was, it was just a mess from a Mets standpoint, and you watch, you watch that unfold, and you, you almost felt a kind of weird satisfaction that for once it wasn't the Blue Jays getting all these bounces against them. Like that, this is, this is what we do, right? Send out, send out guys, and they give up home runs, and, and when Robert Gesellman came, comes out. To face Jan Herbert Salarte, who who's been cold lately, you're thinking, oh, this is this is where the rally goes to die. But no, Salarte just lining one, just squeaking over the Sobe sign in right field, it, to tie the game. At, again, after everyone wrote it off, I had written it off. I had written this game off. I figured, okay, you know, Marco Estrada goes down in the first. There's nothing you can say. But there was a fight in this Blue Jays team that I don't think we've seen enough of this year. And then when Lourdes Gurriel hits the two-run shot in the eight to put them up. One, it's great to see Lourdes Gurriel show off that power again. Fourth home run for him in limited playing time. But if he can continue to do If he's a 20-home run guy at major league level, that's great for the Blue Jays going forward. Because he's, he's again, they're gonna, he's going to be their middle infielder, utility kind of guy. I've compared him to Marwin Gonzalez. If he can be Marwin Gonzalez for this Blue Jays team, that's that's great for them going forward because that saves up a bench spot for a bullpen arm that they usually need. But seeing that kid come up with, with the game potentially on the line, Grichuk, hottest batter on the team, just got plunked, put him on first. All he had to do was really keep the game moving. All, 
keep the chains moving and try and get it. But Gurriel steps in against Tim Peterson, who had a good season up to that point, and just demolished him. Took, he fouled off pitch after pitch and then demolished him. Like, there was no doubt where that ball was going. And I, I, I really liked what I saw out of Lourdes Gurriel. Just, just to come up in that spot. And, like, you could say this for the Blue Jays as a whole. They came up in their spots. They, they weren't having the best of games. Again, Zach Wheeler shut them down for the most part. But it's the first time I saw when they really got their window opened and they took it. When they were able to take full advantage of, of an opponent's issues, their miscalculations, their, their inability to find a strike zone. And on a, on a night when the four and five hitters combined to go 0 for 7, it was the rest of the lineup stepping up and and getting it done when it needed to be. Russell Russell got got on with a walk and he he scored that he's doing what he can. He still shouldn't be hitting six, but then Randall Grichuk taking taking balls off the butt for the team. Um, Devin Travis being able to work well. Curtis Granderson with a great two for four day, a couple doubles against his former club. Just taking those opportunities. Not like, I I don't want to give too much praise because it, it was clear Solarte was trying to hit the home run. I don't think Guriel was, but Solarte was definitely gunning for the seats. He wanted to tie it in one swing, which is not an approach I recommend normally, but it, it worked here. But yeah, it's, it's just nice to see some fight for this team. And I think it bodes well for John Gibbons if they can if they decide to keep him after this season. Because you want a manager who players will fight for. You want a guy who can get everyone motivated. who And in Gibby's case, keep the levity going. So it's games like this that effectively eliminated the Mets. Which, you know, that's an added bonus. But it's games like this that will determine the fate of John Gibbons going forward and a lot of these players on this team. And some of them made really strong cases to stick around. And that's where I'm going to end it for today's episode. Again, we're, we're quick. I'm, I'm trying to reconstitute my body after going out there and melting for most of the day. I am literally got the air conditioner pointed right at me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to use that. As long as I can until I have to go back outside. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. I'm apparently moment-worthy, according, according to Twitter. I think I was like the highest non-blue check mark in their moment. So I guess I'll wear that as a badge of honor. And hey, if Twitter wants to give me a check mark, I ain't gonna argue. I mean, whatever. Kind of worthless, but eh. I'll take it. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Jays on Twitter. Check it out, LockedOnBlueJays.com. I uh, haven't been posting the podcast on there this week. Been busy, again, trying to get this air conditioner up and running. But we'll have them up there and should have a couple of exciting... Tomorrow is a planned doubleheader. So have at least one guest on that I think you guys will enjoy. So that's something to look forward to. Until then, I look forward to talking with you guys again. This is Ryan Andrews. So long from this episode of Lockdown Blue Jays, and y'all take care.